Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. <clears throat> I just want to reiterate this morning of our uh, running with vision classes tonight. This is going to be a very comprehensive class uh, for the next three weeks. We're going to be... Uh, focusing on uh, just the direction that we believe that God is taking McCullough Christian Center. I want to tell you this morning, and I don't say this in a bragging way, I'm not boasting. I'm boasting on Jesus, if anything, because he's the one that's made it happen. But I don't know if you realize or not, but, but McCullough Christian Center, this little uh, church out in the middle of a of a cotton field in the middle of nowhere has baptized over 150 people in 2023. And we've seen God move in, in powerful ways, in miraculous ways. We've seen and we've witnessed the hand of God moving and the power of God moving and changing lives. And there have been some that, that perhaps have not understood it, because change is always hard for people to accept. But we've understood that there are times when we come in here that God just takes the service and we go with it. I, you know me. If you don't know me, I'll tell you a little bit about me. I'm, I'm not going to do anything that I know that will grieve or quench Holy Spirit. Because I recognize that more importantly... Than, than somebody preaching a message sometimes is somebody getting in the altar and having an encounter with God. So I don't apologize for that, and, and, and we as a body don't apologize for that. So that's the reason that when you come to McCullough Christian Center, it's different. Most every time is different. And, and so, uh, so these classes that we're doing for the next three weeks are, are things that I believe that God is saying, this is what I want you to focus on and prepare for because change is coming very soon. I don't know the extent of that, but I, I believe what Holy Spirit has shown us. So we'd love to have you come and be a part of those classes. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. Everybody got it? Say amen. If you don't, say hold up. Amen. Thank you for standing as we honor the reading of God's word. Therefore, Jesus said, therefore, take no thought. Everybody say, take no thought. Take no thought. Saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all, everybody say all, not some, all 
while I got you there, I want to just stick this in there. Jesus said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What are all these things? What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, and what you're going to wear. That's pretty good on the first day of fasting, isn't it? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but Jesus said, all of these things. In other words, I don't have to worry about what I'm going to drink. I don't have to worry about the clothes that I'm going to wear. I don't even have to worry about what I'm going to eat. Because Jesus said this, that if you seek me first and my kingdom and my righteousness, all of these things will be added to you. Father, we thank you today, Father, that you are the God of all things. So, Lord, this morning, Father, we submit to you and we humble ourselves under your hands of authority. Bless us now. Open our hearts. Open our minds today, Father, to receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. Matthew chapter 6 is part of what we talked about Sunday, uh, Wednesday evening here. It's, it's part of the Sermon on the Mount, one of the greatest sermons ever spoken. Jesus talked about many things, many uh, things that pertain to life. And in the passage that we just read, he talked about beginning in verse 25, and I'm not going to read it for the sake of time. He was simply saying, I, I say to you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body and, and what you shall put on. He said, is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? And then he goes on down and he talks about the birds of the air and how that they don't sow, but yet they gather uh, into the barns. And, and he talked about uh, the idea of worry and taking thought for all this stuff. Worried about what's going to be tomorrow. Worried about what the doctor reports going to be next week. Stressed out because of a doctor's report. Worried about what's going to happen to your children. Worried about your job. Worried about your career. Worried about the condition of our world and worried about all of these things that, that consume us and many times we worry. Somebody said if you would turn the news off, it would take away a lot of the worry out of your life. I'll add to that, if you'd stay off Facebook, it'd take a lot of worry out of your life. Go a little bit further and if you really want to do it right, put your face in his book. Amen. You see, we're living in a world today and in a culture that is consumed 
with worry and we're consumed with, with what's going to be tomorrow. And we're all concerned about our world as a whole and wars and, and rumors of wars everywhere and, and earthquakes and, and all of these things that are taking place. And those things worry us and consume us. But I believe this, ladies and gentlemen, that the Word of God, and I say this all the time in Hebrews 4 and verse 12, that the Word of God is living and powerful and is sharper than a two-edged sword. And the Bible says that it cuts to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And, and it goes on down and it says that there's nothing that is, not, uh, that, that is hidden from the sight of the Word. Let me stop right here. How many of you in here are freezing to death? <laughs> That's the only vote you're going to see at McCullough Christian Center because somebody turned the air up a little bit. I'm cold up here, and I know you're cold. <laughs> Amen. Some of our air conditioning men, they'll take care of it. Thank you guys so much. Amen. Hallelujah. But we're, we're living in a time where tensions are high. The stress level has been maxed out. And all these things are taking place. But the beauty of it, friend, is that God's word is either God's word or, is it, or it's not. If God's word is not God's word, then, then we need to be out playing golf this morning or something. Because we would be wasting our time. If God's word said there was a man called Jesus that came to this earth and died on a cross and shed his blood for us, if that's not true, then we're wasting our time. But I believe that it's true. I put my faith and my trust in the fact that Jesus Christ is exactly who, who he says he is. I put my faith and my trust in the fact that there is no mistake in the word of God. That every jot and every tittle of God's word will come to pass. I base my life on the fact that God is who he says he is. Not only myself, but I put the lives of my family in that basket. And I've taught them and trained them and, and led them and guided them. And, and I believe with all of my heart that God is exactly who he said he was. And I believe today that he's coming back. And I believe it's not going to be long that Jesus is coming back. The rapture of the church is going to take place. Those of us that are ready are going to be caught up together with him to meet the Lord in the air. I believe that. 
I'm not here just to waste time and I'm not here just to draw a salary. I'm here this morning because I believe with everything in me that God is real and that his word is true. And I believe today that there's, there's a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shun. I believe this morning that the only way you're going to get into heaven is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And the only way that you're going to get to hell is when you reject the fact that Jesus died for you on the cross of Calvary. So you see this morning, Jesus said in verse 33 is where I really want to focus today. He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. I want to just kind of break it down a little bit. When Jesus said seek, what was he talking about? That word seek means to take aim at. Somebody said if you aim for nothing in life, you'll always get what you aim for. Take aim at. It means to crave or desire something. To seek. Jesus said seek first my kingdom. And I know this is an elementary message this morning. And I know that, that many of you probably can quote this passage of Scripture by heart. But I'm afraid, ladies and gentlemen, that, that for the most part, many of us have gotten caught up in the craze of the world. And we're chasing after things in life that have no value. We're pursuing things in our lives that cannot add to anything in our lives. Husbands and fathers are chasing careers and chasing money and all that. There's nothing wrong with that. We've got to work, and, and I believe in, in the work ethic and all of that. But, friend, uh, what I want to talk to you about this morning is setting things in order in your life. Because when you get out of order in your life, your life is going to begin to mess up. And Jesus said, seek ye first. And why he was saying that is that, that he was talking to a bunch of people that were seeking about food. They were seeking what they're going to drink. They were seeking what I'm going to wear. And, and they were worried and all caught up with what am I going to do tomorrow? How am I going to live tomorrow? And Jesus comes in in his simplicity and says, guys, I want to tell you something this morning. Quit seeking all of this stuff that you don't have to worry about. He said, if you will put your attention attention on me he said seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and that word righteousness simply means this it is a condition of correct thinking it is integrity and purity of heart it is a condition that is required from us to be acceptable to God. In other words, righteousness is a condition that I must possess in order to be accepted by a holy God. And the thing about it is that I cannot produce my own righteousness. There is nothing in me that is capable of producing the righteousness that God or that Jesus was talking about here. What he was saying is this. 
seek me first. And when you seek me, he said, you're going to find me because everybody that seeks me with all of their heart, I will be found of them. And when you seek me and find me, you're going to be able to obtain the righteousness that I have for you. Isaiah prophesied in the book of Isaiah, he said, our righteousness or my righteousness is as filthy rags. Sir, you're not good enough to get in the presence of God. Ma'am, you will never put on enough makeup to make yourself look good enough to get in the presence of God. Our good will never be good enough for the presence of God. You see, the only way that my good is good enough is when I take my good and give it to Jesus. I'm going to go ahead and preach. I know it's first year, the, uh, uh, it's first Sunday of the year and all that, and, and probably you're still coasting off of uh, New Year's and all of that, but I'm just going to go ahead and preach while I'm up here. I'm going to enjoy this time, and I'm going to do, I'm going to give this, the assignment that God's given me this morning because I really feel this morning that there's some people that are listening to this message that you need to redirect some things in your life, and you need to recalculate some things things in your life and recognize that that God is saying that you've been headed down a dead end road and I'm telling you listen I'm not only talking to the lost person but I'm talking to the one who's been in church for years and years but your relationship with God has not produced anything it's not produced any good fruit and what God is saying this morning is I want you to understand there's more to a relationship with me than what you've been experiencing. So Jesus said, seek my kingdom first and my righteousness. And that, that righteousness is, is that that is required to be accepted by God. It's the purity of a heart. And, and by the way, the focus of our fasting these next 21 days It's not that I can get a new car. But the focus of our fasting for these next 21 days is God create within me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. That's what David prayed in Psalm 51 after he had sinned and, and, and fell uh, with Bathsheba. And David stood before God and said, God, against you and you only have I sinned and done this terrible thing. And then he said, but God, create within me a clean heart, O oh God. I want to tell you that God looks at your heart. He doesn't look at the color of your skin. He doesn't look at your past. He doesn't look at the amount of money that you've got in the bank or don't have. He doesn't look at those uh, duds that you're wearing or those new shoes that you have on. God doesn't look at any of that stuff. But what God looks at is at the heart of man. God is searching for somebody that will come before him with a clean heart and a pure heart. But I want to go back to this word, to this passage. Because notice that Jesus said, seek ye first my kingdom. 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So we understand that, that to seek, I've got to take aim at. I've got to desire something. But then he said, first. And that word first, if you do a little study on that word first, it is a statement that describes order. It's a statement that describes order. The word first cannot be used without it determining an order. Think about that. You can't, you can't use the word first without it determining an order. I want to go first. Then you're determining an order. I got here first. You're determining an order. I was the first one to raise my hand. Then that's an order. You see, what Jesus was saying is this, and I know this is very simple, but, but please understand what I'm talking about this morning can be life-changing if you understand it. One of the biggest problems in our lives many times is that, that we allow things in our lives to get out of order. We allow family to get out of order. We allow the house to get out of order. My wife says all the time, especially after the grandkids and the kids leave, she said, I, I, can you help me? We need to get the house back in order. And what Jesus was saying was, when you seek my kingdom first, you're establishing an order. You're establishing a, a divine order in your life. Many people today put everything else before their relationship with God. Everything comes before my relationship with God. But can I tell you something this morning? Perhaps in 2024, God is saying, has that worked for you? Has that, has that proven good for you in 23? Did it work out good for you the past 15 years of your life? And God will say, Perhaps if it didn't work in, uh, and didn't uh, work good for your life, then maybe in 24, it's time for you to change and reestablish some order in your life. How many of you say, Pastor, I need to reestablish some order in my life? Got one, of, one or two amens on that. Listen. So what Jesus was saying was this. By using the word first, he was saying this. He was establishing an order, a divine order in the word that said this. If you want the blessing on all the rest, you've got to establish this order in your life. The door to all the other is the first for me. The door to all the blessings is to seek me first. So you, we can build our we can build our empires and we can build huge bank accounts and, and huge retirement plans and all of those things. But in a moment of time, those things can disappear. 
But how many of you know those things that you invest and build in the kingdom of God? They cannot be taken away. Brother Pat used a scripture the other night in our New Year's service, and he talked about two, two people that built two houses, one on the sand and the other on a rock. The same storm, the same wind, the same rain blew and came on both of those houses. But the one that was built on the sand could not handle the storm. But the one that was built on the rock stood firm. So what does that tell us? That when we build our lives in relationship with Jesus Christ, we will be able to stand the storms of life. Seek ye first. That first is an order. Listen. Jesus talked about in a passage of Scripture in the book of Luke, chapter 4. He went into his hometown and into the city of Nazareth. And it, as he was there, people, the Bible says that people approached him. And in verse 22, that, that they bore witness of what he was saying and they wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they looked at each other and they said, it's not this Joseph's son that's talking to us. Is not this the son of Joseph that's speaking all of these gracious words? And they were blown away and they, they wondered. And, and the Bible says that Jesus looked at them and said to them, he said, you will surely say to me, this proverb, physician, heal thyself. And whatsoever we've heard you do in Capernaum, do also here in your country. So in other words, what they were saying what Jesus was saying was this, because he knew that they were looking at him as if he was just a hometown boy. They were looking at him, and they were basing everything that they were hearing and seeing on the fact that this is Joseph's son. And I believe the writers put that Joseph's son in there to let us know that they were not looking at Jesus as the son of God, but they were looking at him as the son of a man. And what Jesus was saying was, I understand how you're looking at me. I understand that you're looking at me as just a mere man. I recognize by the way that you're looking at me and by the way you're reacting to me that you're not understanding that I am the son of God. I am not son of Joseph, uh, but I am the son of God. And Jesus went on and he said, and I know that what's going to come out of your mouth is you're going to say, Jesus, if you did those things, miracles and signs and wonders in Capernaum, then why are you not doing them here? We know the reason is that the way that they were looking at Jesus, they were not accepting of the fact that he was the son of God. And I was thinking about that this morning and, and Holy Spirit began to deal with me about the following scriptures of what Jesus said. Jesus said that you will surely say unto me this proverb, physician, heal thyself. And whatsoever you've heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. But I want you to notice the response that Jesus said 
in verse 24. Jesus said this. He said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth that many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land, but unto none of them was Elijah sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And in verse 27, And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. I read that, and the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. He said this. He drew me back to that word that Jesus said when he was speaking to these people, and he said, many widows were in the land during the time of famine. He said, but Elijah the prophet was not sent to the many. He went to only one. The story goes that Elijah went to this widow. And when he walked up on her, he found her outside gathering up sticks to build a little fire. And he looked, he approached her and he said, do you have anything to drink? And I'm paraphrasing. And while the widow woman was on her way to get Elijah a drink of water, Elijah says, hold up. This is in 1 Kings. He said, hold up. Can you bring me a little cake of bread? And the woman stopped in her tracks and turned around. And what's not in your Bible that I'm pretty sure she said, do you not understand that we're in a famine? Do you not recognize, sir, that I don't have anything, any bread to give you? But, but Elijah said, bring me first. There's that word first. Bring me first a little bit of bread and then prepare for your... For your family. The Bible says that she responded and said, Sir, I only have just a little bit of meal in the barrel. And I've been gathering up these little sticks. And I'm about to take them in the house. And we're going to build a fire. And I'm going to cook a little cake of bread for my, my son and myself. And we're going to eat that and die. And Elijah said, Get me a cake of bread first. There's so much in that. But what the man of God did was, he said, look, I recognize 
that what the condition that you find yourself in, the circumstances that you find yourself in right now are dire. And I recognize that your condition is bad. And I recognize that when you look out into the world, you don't see anything that brings any hope or any peace. And you feel like that your little is not enough to meet the need that you've got. And you recognize that what you have will not be sufficient to take care of you and your family. He said, but listen, recognize this. First, get me a little water to drink. And get me a cake of bread. And he said, if you will do that, then God's going to take care of the rest. The Bible says this, that the woman did it first. She went and got and fixed him a meal and brought it to him first. Listen, God is a God of order, ladies and gentlemen. And I am firmly convinced that what the church and what many uh, people have said, I'm walking in the blessings of God, you haven't seen anything of the blessing of God. I am firmly convinced today that what many people in the church call the blessing of God uh, is just more nothing more than you working with your hands and laboring with your mind. But when the blessing of God begins to come on your life or on somebody's life, you will recognize, I did didn't do anything to deserve this because all that I had was not sufficient and all of my work was not enough and all of my meal in my barrel could not sustain me I had nothing but God came in and I made the decision to establish him first in my life and when I did that my barrel of meal has not run out but here's the thing Jesus said there were many widows in that day, but Elijah only went to that one. Can I say this? There are many widows today, but God's not appearing and not moving on all of them. But he's moving on us today. And then he went on down and he said, and there were many lepers in Syria in the time uh, of Naaman, but Elisha only touched one of them, which was Naaman. And I thought about that, and I and I said, God, what are you saying? And 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 Holy Spirit began to speak to my heart, and He said this. He said there are many needs, and there are many people that that need a move of my Spirit. He said, but not everybody is accepting what I'm offering. See, God didn't just happen up and draw straws to see which widow would have the opportunity to have a visit from the prophet. And Naaman didn't just happen up to be the leper that God chose to make an example of his healing power with. You see, all of them had an encounter with God before they had an encounter with God. Naaman had a little maid girl there that, that the Bible uh, didn't even give her name, but she was a young maid, slave girl, that was in Naaman's house that suggested to his wife that you need to take your husband down to the prophet. 
God is throwing these little subtle things out to us today in 2024, and he's saying, I'm offering myself to you. Read those stories, and you'll find that, that there were things that happened with Naaman and things that happened with this widow woman that, that let them know that, that God was moving and God was doing something. God had already spoken to this widow woman about Elijah the prophet coming by her house. Read it in Scripture. It wasn't just something that happened. There was a word that came. Naaman knew he had the understanding because this little, uh, little girl had already spoken and told him about Elisha the prophet. So he knew it wasn't just happenstance. It was something that they heard a word and they responded to that word. And perhaps what Jesus was saying was that there's words that have been going out to many, many widows and many lepers, but not all of them have responded in faith. The amazing thing is when Jesus said that, those that, that just a few moments earlier had been talking about what gracious words he was speaking now, began to turn on him and, and would have stoned him if he hadn't have gotten away. You see, God is speaking today, ladies and gentlemen, and I believe one of the greatest things that he's speaking to us is get ourselves in order. Put him first. Make him first in our lives. Make him number one in our lives. You say, Pastor, but you don't understand because I have to come by myself and, and nobody will come with me to church. can't imagine, and I know that's, that's difficult, but can I tell you this? Set yourself in order and see if God won't move in your life. You might be here this morning, you might say, well, Pastor, I've got so many things that are going on in my life, I don't have time for God. Understand this. That God's got time for you. And if you'll submit your life to him, all these other things will be set in order. As our worship team comes this morning, I want to ask you today because I believe that there are families here this morning husbands and wives and sons and daughters. That God is just simply saying to us, I want to bring order into your life. Because those things that you've been seeking, those things that you've been trying to obtain, and all that stuff, has only led to headaches, to frustrations, and disappointments. But God said this, if you will seek me first, if you will turn your life over to me and begin to follow me first, he said, I'll bring those things that you've been seeking he said, I'll bring those things that you've been desiring 
and not able to obtain. I get asked this question all the time from husbands and wives, Pastor, what is the order that I need in my family? How can I bring the right order into my family? And my answer is this. God needs to be number one. Because if you worship your wife, your wife will disappoint you. If you worship your husband, he'll disappoint you. If you put all of your effort and all of your time in worshiping your children, there's going to be a day, ladies and gentlemen, they're going to move out. But if you put your life's effort and work in relationship with Jesus, I can assure you, you can walk in the blessings of God. Would you stand with me, please? This morning, we're going to open the altar up. And you might be here this morning and say, Pastor, I desperately need order in my life. I desperately need to get my life in order with God. How do I start? This is how you start. If you've got your spouse standing next to you, just look over at him and say, hey, let's get back to order. And if they look at you, God forbid they do. But I know husbands sometimes can be hard-headed. But if they look at you and say this, not right now, baby. Then you smile at them real big and say, I love you. But this old gal's fixing to get her life in order. Or this old boy is about to get his life in order. Because one thing that I've discovered in my life is that family order works best when it started at an altar. My wife does a lot better when I pray for her. When I cover her with prayer. And the same with me. I want my life in order. 
because I believe that once I get myself in divine order, everything else is going to follow. <laughs>